Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, we are talking about an incredible story, and our guests today include the main character in this story and the person who has documented it in a brand new film called Full Circle that premieres in New York in just a few days on October 20th. In 2014, Trevor Kennison's life was forever altered by a broken back that he sustained while snowboarding. But having navigated his way through all of the massive mental and physical challenges that were brought on by this injury, well, Trevor has gone on to become one of the most impressive athletes in all of mountain sports. In this conversation, you're going to hear me bring up names like Travis Rice, Candide Thovex, and Alex Honnold, and I fully believe that Trevor belongs in this group. And if you have been closely following Trevor's journey, I don't think you'd argue with me about this. But if you're less familiar with Trevor and his limit-shattering exploits, well, I have great news for you. Josh Berman and his team at Level One Productions have produced an incredible film about Trevor called Full Circle, which makes the case, I think, for what I've just claimed. And it is also an unflinching examination of the challenges of life after spinal cord injury, as well as the real opportunities for growth that such a tragedy can present. This film, Full Circle, is beautifully shot. The story is incredibly powerful. What Trevor is doing in the mountains is completely mind-blowing, and I am excited to share with you my conversation with Trevor and Josh that took place right after I had finished watching Full Circle. And while you listen to our conversation, you should go to the website fullcirclefilm.co where you can find screening dates for the film, watch the trailer, and get more information about the project. So we'll include a link to fullcirclefilm.co in the show notes of this episode. But wait, folks, there's more. Trevor and Josh are going to be coming to our home here in the Gunnison Valley on Wednesday, November 1st, for another Blister Speaker Series at Western Colorado University. So if you'd like to come meet Trevor and Josh and hear us dive into a number of topics that we don't touch on in this conversation, well, then come join us on Wednesday, November 1st at 7 p.m. at Western Colorado University in Gunnison, Colorado. The event is free and open to the public, and I know it is going to be a good time. And now... Let's get to the conversation that I had just a couple days ago with Trevor Kennison and Josh Berman. Here we go. Well, I am very happy to be joined here today with Trevor and Josh. Gentlemen, I just finished the new film, Full Circle, a little bit ago. And Josh, I'm going to blame, well, I'm going to blame you both for this. If I start crying during this conversation, because I just was crying during the end of this film, I'm going to be mad at both of you. And so help me try to keep it together during this thing. But I will start off by saying, 
It really is a remarkable film. It really is a remarkable story. Uh, Trevor, you're a remarkable guy. And Josh, you and your team did a remarkable job sort of capturing this. And uh, for all of those reasons, I am really happy to be talking with you both now about this new film, Full Circle. Thank you so much, Jonathan. First off, there is no shame in shedding tears during this film. I don't think that there's been a dry eye uh, from anyone in the audience at any of our screenings, big or small. And I mean, that's that's not to say that's the goal to make people cry, but it's to make people feel. I mean, I think that's one of the most important things that I was hoping to accomplish with this film and really leave some leave the viewers with something that's that's, that's a, you know, a feeling, a meaning, and hopefully a you know a new look at not only disability but but their own lives. Definitely a full circle of emotions, that's for sure. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, full circle for sure. As Josh was just sitting there saying, like the point of the film is to help make people feel. It's pretty remarkable, right? Because Trevor, this is your story. Like this is what's happened to you. But a remarkable piece in the film is everybody else's response to what, in fact, is kind of your situation. And, and, and let's just get into it. But I mean, one of the remarkable things in the film is Travis Rice and like watching Travis respond to you, right? And it's like, in, in my world, we're always looking at Travis as this person who's out there doing the impossible, right? But to very palpably see Travis having the wide-eyed look that all the rest of us have when he's about to go do something, but he's doing that with you? Without a doubt. That was an awesome <laughs> moment. Right off the jump, we're just getting this, um, like, we're entering, a, uh, we're walking through Whole an interesting territory. portal. Yeah, new territory here, man. And if, if you just went down as the dude who had Travis Rice wigging out, <laughs> that could be like the top line of the resume, just enough right there, you know? Travis is, is, is kind of speaking for everyone in the audience at that point. And, and moreover, I think you know, he, he's, he's speaking for, for me and, and you know, my filmmaking team and, that, and, and, well, so many other people too that just don't understand disability and the limitations or lack thereof of disability. And, you know, I think the past four years have been so eye-opening for me in that I've never spent a considerable amount of time around somebody in a wheelchair or with a, with a you know, significant spinal cord injury. And, you know, it, it, it's funny because at this point, if I'm sitting in a room with Trevor and he stood up and walked across the room and went and grabbed a beer out of the fridge and sat back down, I wouldn't even flinch because, you know, the wheelchair straight up disappears. It, it becomes this thing in the background that you don't even notice because people like Trevor and well, so many people that are, are able to just, you know, redefine what people think is possible. And I mean, that's certainly one of the, you know, things we speak to throughout the film. But, but that's, that's what your comment about Travis makes me think of. Sorry to kind of go down that rabbit hole. Trevor, we might actually let you talk here in a second, or we're just going to talk about you for an hour. But but literally, literally one of the things I was thinking about during the film, and that made a huge impact. And by the way, folks, this that that scene is in like the first 10 minutes of the film. There's still another like hour 30 to go of remarkable stuff happening. But 
in in my little world, I mean, look, there are a number of remarkable athletes, you know, in mountain sports, right? But I tend to think that kind of at at a, at a kind of apex level, you have a Travis Rice in snowboarding. There's a Candide Thovex in skiing, right? That kind of they're two individuals that kind of consistently blow our minds. And honestly, and I'm like, now I'm like, and there's Trevor. I think that's actually my sort of triumvirate at the moment, you know? <laughs> and and to talk about what Josh just said about disability, like you're doing things and you've been doing things that are so kind of mind-bending that that's the that's the company I sort of put this in, right? When I'm watching Travis do something, when I'm watching Candide and and some of the things that you've been doing, and I guess that's just what we're talking about, sort of captured on camera on snow, right? There's other layers to this too. I don't know. I'm going to stop talking now, Trevor. When we're saying these things, how does this hit you? <laughs> no, I uh, I appreciate the kind words for sure. It uh, means a lot. Um, and, you know, you're going back to saying, you know, this is a story about me. It's definitely a story about me. Um, and then same thing with uh, parallels with Barry Corbett. And, you know, this movie in, with Josh Berman and Level One crew have done is incredible. Just putting it, both the stories together. And, you know, yeah, I put it all out there. But at the same time, it's incredible to see how much, how much bigger this movie really is in the spinal cord injury community and just in life and everyone's life. Uh, so many people can relate to it. And, uh, yeah, I guess it's, uh, it's really, really, really cool to see, you know, see this come full circle for sure. Josh, I'm not going to lie. When it sort of became apparent that we were going to be talking a lot about Barry Corbett in this film, I honestly, my reaction was no, I, I don't want this. Like there's enough going on with Trevor's story that I, can we just keep the focus there? And I swear to you that like, I don't know exactly when, but let's say maybe by the halfway point of the film and certainly by the end, I would fight people that would remove the Barry part of the story because we all know Corbett's Kular, but man, I honestly knew almost nothing beyond that. And what a remarkable person, what a remarkable story. And, and in terms of Trevor to what you just said about how expansive this all gets, at first I was like, no, no, I just want to, I want to know more about Trevor in this, this journey. And I do think that bringing these two remarkable people's stories together is in fact, like it is part of what blows this up and makes it so big. Josh, talk a little bit about that, that decision. Yeah, well, I'm glad that's your takeaway because bringing Barry into the mix and, and sharing his story and weaving it in with Trevor's, the goal was certainly to elevate the film and elevate Trevor's story in a way that would speak to more people, that would make it a more global story that people could understand and certainly to take it outside of the skiing community and outside of the, the traditional model and expectation of, of ski films, which is not what this is. It's not a ski film. But um, yeah, I'll mention that when, when we started this project, Trevor originally came to me with the idea of doing a five to 10 minute web short about returning to the site of his accident. He came to me with this proposal and, and 
I mean, I was sold instantly. Not only, you know, it was Trevor just an awesome human with a great smile and an incredible laugh, but, you know, the idea of, of going back to a place that represents so much trauma in, in doing something special. And, and I'll, I'll mention that even at that point, uh, Trevor... Trevor was just starting to learn how to do a backflip and, and he wanted to you know, do a backflip at the site of his, his accident. And, um, you know, what's really interesting for, for me is that Trevor is an able-bodied snowboarder. He was not a skier pre, pre-injury, he was a snowboarder, but as an able-bodied snowboarder had never done a backflip. So this not only represented this um, taking something back from a place that, that had taken so much from him, but really this 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 concept of growth about doing more post-accident and post-injury than he'd accomplished as an able-bodied person, which I thought was so cool. And, and that was really just the beginning of the story. You know, that doesn't even you know, take us to where things ultimately went, but um, I, w- I was sold on, on this as, as a concept and of doing something with Trevor. And I, I instantly started to think bigger, bigger picture that there, there's more meat on the bone that, you know, just based on Trevor's life story and Trevor's personality and his charisma, it's like, this deserves more than to be a, a five, 10 minute piece. That's just going to end up on YouTube. So what can we do? And I started to imagine it being, you know, a full feature film about Trevor. And we had no idea about Barry. I, I too, having spent a lifetime in the ski industry, I'm very familiar with Corbett's couloir and even the name Barry Corbett, but my my knowledge and understanding of who he was kind of ended there. And I had no idea what was left for us to uncover. And, uh, you know, certainly as soon as we learned about who Barry was and, and, and everything that he accomplished and, um, you know, it just turned this whole film concept upside down. And you know, I felt very strongly that the stories needed to to be intertwined, if you will. And, and I will I will say though that uh, you know up until the very end of the the editing process it was you know, still a, a challenge and a question to be answered for my team and I and whether or not this even worked because Trevor alone has an awesome story Barry has a crazy story and I'll, I'll mention that we had to cut a lot from both of their storylines to make these things fit in a you know a hundred minute profile but you know, we, we would ask ourselves a question like, is this film better off trying to squish these two things together? And, um, you know, we could have screwed it up horribly. Like <laughs> there were, there were a lot of opportunities for us to completely blow it. And, you know, but for the fact that I've got a super talented team that, you know, worked their butts off with me for, for years to kind of like meld these things, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, it, it, it's very successful and you can watch it now and be like, oh, of course, this makes perfect sense that these two things bounce back and forth and they fit together. But to get there was was kind of crazy. And I think one thing I would turn this back around to Trevor really quick, because I, I feel like and you could you know, speak to this as candidly as you want to that, you know, Trevor, there are probably some points where you're like, OK, why the hell is this Barry Corbett guy going to be involved in my story? And what, what are you guys doing? I kind of thought that you know, maybe early on in the process, that was a question that needed to be answered. And I think that you probably didn't know exactly what we were doing until we screened the film in the office here for you probably 14 months ago. And, you know, we played a probably 115, 120 minute version of the film, which is even longer than where we're at today. And it was, it was all, uh, I don't know, a, a, 
you know, speak to that experience, Trav. Yeah, no, it was incredible to see. Um, yeah, when I first started watching it when or screened it 14 months ago in Josh's office, I was like, all right, uh, all right, this is cool. What's what's the whole like plan? And by the end, or even like halfway through, you know, just like how paralleled it was, uh, the narrations from the book, just kind of how overlapping it was and intertwined it was. It just, like I said, they can't not have his story in there. That's what makes this whole film, you know, mine and his overlapping. That's one of the big things I hope, like this is, it's not a spoiler alert, but I, I, I want to say, and I hope people hear it, if you have that same reaction that maybe Trevor and I both had seeing it initially, like, as opposed to being like, why is this here? Just trust, like, just trust, you know, remarkable person. And I want to go read the book options. Like, I want to read this now, like incredibly powerful writing. And so anyway, thanks for kind of the gift of two stories here. So Barry, among other things that he accomplished in his life, was a incredible writer and content creator. He he, he made films and, uh, well, I mean, we're kind of skipping ahead here, but Barry eventually has a spinal cord injury in a very similar way that Trevor does. And that's really how their stories connect above and beyond the obvious and, and Corbett's couloir. But Barry left us with just this incredible body of work of, of writing and, and filmmaking about life with disability and about life with spinal cord injury. And he really became known as this this force in the spinal cord injury community who you know, really helped people to redefine what was possible and, and what society perceived as the limitations of disability, especially, you know, in his day and age, we're talking the late 60s and early 70s when he was, uh, you know, f- when he first survived a spinal cord injury. And uh, this is pre-ADA. This is when society would would warehouse people and, and, you know, send them off in clunky piece of shit wheelchairs that could barely roll down a hallway, let alone, you know, get them around and about in the real world. And, and yeah, I mean, Barry, the things that Barry left us with spoke so clearly to Trevor and his experience. And, and really that was kind of how we, we tied everything together And the book options that we're talking about, you know, more or less narrates the film from start to finish. And this is, this is Barry's book that is largely referred to as, as the Bible of spinal cord injury by the people that are, that know about it and are familiar with it. Unfortunately, it's been out of print for a couple of decades and very hard to find a copy. And we're actually going to be looking into getting it republished with Craig hospital, which is something that we're all very excited about because it's, it's so powerful. And, you know, every, we, we've made a great effort to put this film, even in its early stages in front of a lot of people in the spinal cord injury for feedback to vet it and, you know, make sure that we were, you know, talking about, spinal cord injury in, in the right way and, and and everybody's eyes open to to Barry in this book and they're like where the hell can we find this like I just looked it up and I can't find it so yeah. uh, we're going to be working towards that that'd be amazing cool. to get that back available and in print yeah yeah Trevor when did you first get on a snowboard oh man I first got on a snowboard when I was probably I don't know three years old like real young my dad had a snowboard shop and a skateboard shop and like a sports store when he was younger, when I was younger. And so 
What year was it when you moved to Colorado? 2013. So at that point, how much time had you actually spent riding? Because you moved to Colorado in 13. The accident happens in 2014, right? And so fill us a little in on like what snow sports, snowboarding, what role that was playing in your life, you know, from the time you were three and sort of like, what was that trajectory all like? Yeah. So I grew up snowboarding, um, you know, I'd say like three to seven, stopped snowboarding from seven to 17. We just couldn't afford it. Couldn't get to the mountain. And then, you know, I snowboarded like once or twice at 17. But then uh, when I moved to Colorado for a plumbing job, um, I was a full-time plumber and fell back in love with snowboarding. I was about 21 years old and yeah, I was snowboarding. I already got like 60 days in uh, that first year when working full time and my sport, I guess I'd go play basketball in the winter and go to the gym, work out and stuff and then snowboard. So, so that 2013, when you said you did maybe 60 days, that, that was your first year of doing a bunch of days. Yeah, doing doing like because I didn't snowboard for like ten years, and then once I like got back to call or went when moved to Colorado, fell back in love with snowboarding, and then skied as much as possible um, or snowboard as much as possible, and I absolutely loved it. And that's kind of where I fell back in love with snowboarding and got into uh, this world basically again. So, kind of in the scheme of things, then, I mean. Pretty soon after falling back in love with this sport, the accident happens. Yeah. And talk a bit about that. I mean, you have a pretty clear sense right away. Life is going to be different. But talk a little bit about, I mean, did you did you continue to think almost uninterrupted, like there's still going to be a life for me in this snow sports stuff. Or did it feel like, wait, I just fell back in love with this world and it's already gone. Um, I didn't even think when I was broke my back and laying on Vail pass, I didn't even think about uh, being in a wheelchair or any sports like that. I was just more so thinking about um, getting back on pain pills, uh, not being a plumber, you know, just my life I had. Um, so I guess I didn't really even give it a thought. And then once I got into all this, um, a spinal cord injury, learning how to go to the bathroom, just dealing with a wheelchair, learning how to drive. Um, yeah, that was just like a different, whole different battle, but I didn't even think about like any sports or being in a wheelchair or having a spinal cord injury. It was more so like, oh man, I can't do, I guess, snowboarding or, you play basketball or be a plumber and just do the things I used to do. Yeah. So some way more fundamental stuff than like, am I going to be able to strap into a board? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was more so just, uh, yeah, just day, the day-to-day fun stuff that I love doing, even snowboarding uh, included into that. But, and then I would say, uh, yeah, right in the hospital, I started, just I knew you could do a bunch of sport, you know, sports and all this stuff. But for me, I just didn't care about snowboarding or getting back on snow. I just wanted to play wheelchair basketball and you know just do all these other sports. And then 
um, once I got on snow, I just got hooked to the feeling and just getting back on snow again and sit skiing. Trev, to jump in really quick, I, I think well, one of the things that I recall from your story is that you at first didn't want to go sit skiing. You didn't want to be back on snow. Is, is, is that right? Yeah. Like you definitely stayed away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to for like a year. Well, like, it's not like I didn't want to. I just like, it was super expensive. It was like $600 just for a half day, just for me to try it. So I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep playing wheelchair basketball. So that's, that's exactly what I did. And then, um, yeah, it wasn't like I was like scared of it. It was more so like I knew I could do it. I respected it. And, um, it was just, again, another money factor. And that's why I didn't snowboard for 10 years because we couldn't afford it. So walk us through that part of it, like getting back on snow and, and how that kind of came to be and, and then how, how quickly or how long it took for that kind of, I guess, light bulb to turn on where you're like, wait, I'm about to go do this in a way nobody's done this. Um, that, that one took a definitely a lot longer, but once I got in snow, that feeling of just getting back on and having the freedom and, um, skiing again, it just, that was probably the first week of me sit skiing in Crested Butte. Um, that from there I was just instantly hooked and I just needed to do it right away. And then all the other stuff, uh, I have no clue. I'd say like four years into it, you know, just slowly watch, you watching these amazing people, like you said, Candide and Travis, it's just like, all right, well, why can I do it in my sport? So kind of tried to do that. <laughs> tried to <laughs> mission accomplished. <laughs> Let's stay on that for a second. That sort of leap, like, well, here's what Travis is up to. Here's what Candide is up to. Did you have other people in the adaptive community that you were kind of seeing pushing things a bit, or were you simply trained on one of the best skiers, one of the best snowboarders ever? And you're like, I don't see why I can't take this sit ski and do some of the similar things in this. Like that's worth hearing you say more about. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I guess Josh Duick for sure. He did like the first backflip. Um, you know, definitely good buddy of mine for sure. And seeing that, that was amazing. Um, but I guess more so just seeing, um, yeah, able-bodied people and taking like that from, all right, how can this come to this sport? So another thing I wanted to ask you about, and I, I would be, after you talk, I'd be curious to hear Josh on this to get his perspective. But one of the things watching the film that, I kept finding myself thinking about was just motivation, your motivation for some of this stuff, right? And I guess I wondered how much that motivation or the motivating factors for you have actually changed over the years or stayed kind of the same, you know, because there is this moment that we've mentioned, like you on top of Corbett's. And Travis Rice is like, yo, man, you sure you want to do this? And you're, we're able to see somebody that is like locked in, you know, 
Like, this is happening. And some of us are maybe watching it being like, maybe don't, maybe maybe not. And I'm telling you, man, the part, the backflip to rail, I'm like, can I go back in time? Can I, can I go back in time and be like, no. It's like, wait, you're about to talk to this dude. Like, you know, you know, it doesn't end terribly. I'm just wondering about some of these moments where maybe some of the rest of us are like, this looks like a real bad idea. And, you know, at some of these moments, you admit to nervousness, but you're like, this is the program and this is what's happening now, folks. And all that is a very long-winded way of asking, like, the motivation to pull some of this off from you, are you cognizant of that? Are you like, yeah, it used to be this and it's still the same, or that has actually shifted a bit over the last eight or nine years? Yeah, um... I mean, for, for instance, like with Travis, you know, if, if a lot of people would say like, oh, you probably shouldn't do that. That's pretty crazy. But like you said, you know, when you're locked in and understand and yet you, you do that calculated risk and you visualize it um, and do all these things that you do for your program to, you know, have success. Um, I guess for me, it, it was just kind of, um, like taking that motivation too, and just being locked in. And then, yeah, definitely my motivation has changed for sure of, 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 you know, doing crazy stuff, but at the same time, it's um, just being very smart about it. And uh, cause there are, are a lot of stuff that I want to continue to keep doing. Um, like, you know, the rail, rail backflip was just incredible, but at the same time, it was just, I was, I was focused and this is something I've been dreaming about doing for so long. And yeah, there, there's some stuff for me that like, I'm like, Nope, I'm all set to do. There's, you know, I'm, I'm going to let it be. Um, but at the same time, you know, the, everything's a progression. And, um, for me, that's, I think a huge part of, uh, you know, the movie and just of like my life and, uh, just how I take, take progression of, you know, my career and just different steps of, um, throughout how I ski in the mountain too, for sure. Josh, as somebody who's had a kind of front row seat to a lot of this and also been present for some of these conversations where it's like, dude, you sure you feeling this today? Or, you know, maybe like we really want to do this. How would you describe sort of Trevor's approach to this stuff? There's a lot to unpack here. Uh, first off, I would say that risks were significantly more mitigated than the casual viewer of the film would think. I, I feel as though a lot of people will look at some of the things that Trevor has done or tried and just been like, that's, that's crazy. That's not safe. That's reckless. That's, that's whatever. And, and you know, I can appreciate that perspective, but from actually having been there from the inception of a lot of these these goals and ideas and seeing them through with Trevor we worked so hard to make things as safe as humanly possible and I mean there's there's risk in in everything you do in snow sports I mean that's that's not debatable but uh, I, I will say that we we put so much time energy and effort into ensuring Trevor's safety to the best of our ability and I'll say that you know, having been a filmmaker in, in skiing and snow sports for 
25 years at this point, I'm, I'm relatively conservative. I've heard of so many other filmmakers who push athletes to do things for the camera, for the shot. And I'll say that to the contrary, I'll often pull people off of the ledge, so to speak, and put a stop to things that I don't think are entirely safe. And, you know, this project with Trevor certainly, you know, pushed the limits of that in some ways and certainly things that I was, you know, borderline uncomfortable with. But, you know, again, we we took even more steps than I would typically take in, in you know, ensuring safety to the best of our ability. And uh, I will say the rail to rail backflip, that was the one time that I was most freaked out in the entire four years of traveling and working with Trevor and shooting some absolutely wild things. That was, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we actually kind of lean into it a little bit in the, in the, in the scene itself where, where you see Devin Kearns, who's the, the manager at Winter Park, actually marking where Trevor's landing with spray paint. I mean, there's a very calculated approach that we were taking to figuring out where Trevor is landing, where we're going to put this rail. Um, and we actually had a, a much like more in-depth kind of safety protocol or planning protocol in place where after Trevor landed in the same spot, however many times we were going to spray paint uh something that was the shape of the rail and have Trevor line that up and land on that. And then we're actually going to dig the rail in to the same elevation as the ground and then kind of unbury the rail. So there was not this additional factor of, of height elevation that Trevor had to think about. I said, put it in, put it in. Yeah, exactly. But Trevor ends up landing one really good backflip off of the rail, just onto the ground. And he's like, I'm good. I'm ready. Let's do this. And, you know, I'm saying to myself, well, we're, we're literally skipping a half dozen of the most important steps that are, I think, going to be necessary here. But at a certain point when an athlete seems so confident and so committed as Trevor, Trevor was at that point, he just had this look in his eye and your job as the filmmaker becomes to support that and not question it. And, and it's hard to do that because, you know, I love Trevor. I care about him. He's one of my, my closest friends in the world and I don't want to see him get hurt and certainly not for, for some stupid shot. Um, you know, there are other, other goals that we could go out and accomplish, but in this case, you know, he just pretty much had the eye of the tiger and it's like, put me in, I'm, I'm going to do this thing. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, we, we sink the rail in and Trevor lines it up and it was one and done. He, he tried it once and just laced it perfectly and you know I'll, I'll say at this point too like props to the, the the film team because when you have something that only happens one time the pressure is on on the camera operators collectively to to like really get it done and our drone operator johnny durst who's one of the best in the business absolutely laces this incredible fpv shot coming through the trees out of nowhere and just like paints this unreal perspective of what trevor did and uh yeah and then trevor watched the shot on video review asked if he should do it again and land higher on the rail and we all said no because <laughs> <laughs> i was ready at that point i was i was i was so ner- like nervous but like looking back at it i can't believe i actually i mean attempted that yeah you know the rail yep. the rail like it's just mind-boggling in general just to think about it and then just to think about I'm doing it sitting down, you know, it's, it's really nuts. But 
I'm glad I don't have to do it, do it again. But at that moment, I was so ready to go back up and do it again. I was like, all right, tell me now because my adrenaline's going. I'm really pumped. Like, I'll, I'll go again. I know what I need to do, but holy moly. <laughs> I'll mention really quick that, uh, you know, we talk about Travis Rice and Candide, you know, pushing the boundaries of what people are doing in skiing and snowboarding. And, you know, for a lot of these things that Trevor did, including that rail to rail feature, we had a support crew of some super talented high level pro skiers out there with us. And nobody wanted to step to that rail to rail gap feature. Everybody just said, <laughs> nope. no fucking yep. thank you. Yep. <laughs> yes. That's again, that seems like basically the right answer. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of impressive stuff in this film. And of all the impressive stuff captured that that was the most bonkers thing and i i'd like this visceral reaction while watching it i literally was like terrified i didn't want to watch it i literally i did the same thing by the way watching free solo with with alex honnold right where i was like freaking out and getting like so nervous and terrified and i kept telling myself like you know he's still alive, right? He's, he, he'll be okay. And, and it's like the that that same thing. I'm not sure I've had an experience like that since actually watching Free Solo. Hey, that's good. That's good feedback. <laughs> <laughs> we we did our jobs. Travis Candide and Honnold. So yeah, and tra- not, tra- not bad. Not bad. Rare air. Yeah, yeah. But see, that's that's one of the things I want to stand this for a second when we're talking about motivation, like. You're clearly a competitive guy. I think I think we can say that safely. But in that moment, this rail-to-rail backflip, I actually wrote a note, like actually just the backflip to rail. Before we got to rail backflip to rail, I wrote down like why why is he doing this? You know, and and that's the part of how much of this gets, and maybe there's multiple answers, but how much of this gets tied to like, I want to see what I personally can do in this environment, like in the, in the wild west, in the frontier versus being a competitive guy. Hey man, we're making a film here. And if I pull this off, it's really freaking impressive, right? I'm terrified. Maybe I don't want to do this, but I am competitive and I'm going to go do this thing you know what I mean? There's a sort of there's some in, there's some external stuff and there's some internal stuff, and I'm curious to know how your brain and soul works. Yeah, I mean, if you put it like that, definitely uh, for my own self versus a competitive thing of you know, oh, sick that was on the camera. I think it's I'm always trying to push myself just internally, and that competitive edge comes out internally too. Um, Man, yeah, I don't know. That's that's what I would go with, like 100%, you know, because it's always like, oh, well, you know, you can do that. You're like, all right, well, that progression. Well, maybe I can do this, that. And then one thing leads to another, and there you go. <laughs> Jonathan, I've got a great little anecdote to kind of put a, a cherry on top of this this rail-to-rail feature that we're talking about here. So obviously, as, as we illustrate in the film, so, you know, Trevor started out with the goal of doing a backflip off of a rail. And that materialized in the spring of 2021. And he also wanted to do a backflip onto a box. That was that was the the other goal. And it just really wasn't working out so well. And, um, you know, just 
in, in terms of the logistics and lining it up properly. And, you know, I first said to him, I said, Trev, every time you do a backflip off a rail, you're landing in the exact same spot because you're effectively coming off of this four inch wide takeoff point with roughly the same speed every time. So like, you know, call me crazy here, but you know, if we're just trying to get you to land in a spot, what if you put the box on the landing? And he looked at me and he was like, that's great. Winter Park said, no, no, we're not going to do this. Um, <laughs> and and then the weather came in and it was in the middle of May, so it didn't happen. And we came back in 2022. But when Trevor and Devin Kearns and I were up in the Winter Park rail yard, kind of scoping features and trying to figure out which box we were going to put on the landing for this eventual feature, you know, we're looking at these boxes that are like 18 inches wide or something like that. And that's kind of how I always envisioned this thing. And Trevor looks at me and he's like, well, wouldn't it be cooler if I just landed on a rail that was the same width as, as the rail I'm taking off of? And Devin and I look at each other we're like, well, yeah, I mean, that would be cooler and more impressive, but we're just, we're just trying to like, this is uncharted territory, Trev. Like nobody's ever even thought of doing this on a sit ski. Like you land on a box and that's mission accomplished. Like that's going to be insane. And he's like, ah, I think I want to do it onto a four inch wide rail. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you talk about, you know, the, the motivation and yeah. like, again, the world would react the same way if you had an 18 inch wide box in the landing and landed on that. But I, I mean, Trevor just presumably for, for himself, you know, from where I was sitting, just, you know, wanted to up the ante and, and do something that was even more proper, if you will. And I mean, that's, you know, one of the many things that blew my mind, but, but there was an easier, easier way out. And Trevor's like, no, thanks. I, I really want to just shoot for the moon here. And, and that just goes to show that, you know, a determination and just, if you have belief in yourself, you literally can accomplish a lot of things. You know, like if I didn't have that in me thinking, oh, I can land rail to rail, then I'm not going to, I'm not even going to have 1% of a chance to land on that, you know? So, um, you know, and if I didn't think I could, you know, and I probably couldn't, you know, so going back to picking out the rail versus a box, it was kind of just having that vision of I'm going to land this, I'm going to land this. It's going to be a challenge, but I believe I can do this. And without the belief, there's no way I could have done it. I mean, we're, we're getting kind of geeky here talking about, some park rat stuff, but, um, an, another story that's, that's really in the same vein that I think is, is, is really a lot more easily digestible, especially for, for listeners at home. So, uh, this isn't really much of a spoiler alert cause it's already online and it's in the movie trailer, but yes, Trevor eventually at the end of the film goes back to the site of his accident and does the world's first ever sit ski double backflip and stomps the hell out of it. But what is not in the film, because we didn't have time to tell this story, but if you are watching the film, you'll see that there's, there's another bomb hole that's a little bit 10 feet, 5 feet to the right of where Trevor actually lands. And the backstory on that was that the first time Trevor hit it, he gave it a little bit too much gas and over-rotated a tiny bit and, and basically backslapped. I mean, if you want to call it that in a Sitski, he, he backslapped and you know, he pops up and, and rides out of it. And it wasn't the cleanest or the prettiest thing in the world. But uh, but that was that was it. I mean, he did the world's first double backflip and he rode out of it on his own and, you know, start to finish. And, and the reactions that are in the film are from that first attempt. I mean, everybody is celebrating 
because that was why we went there. That was what Trevor sought out to do. And and he got it. It wasn't perfect, but he got it and it, and it was enough. But Trevor and I did a, a little video review at the bottom and he looks at me, he's like, I can do it better than that. I got to go up and do it again. I got, I got to get it better. And uh, what we don't show in the film, because it just would have felt really out of place, is Trevor's just sheer confidence going into the jump <laughs> on that second attempt where he literally goes flying by the the lock off camera angle at the top and looks goes, at it yeah goes watch this baby and just like this 100 percent confidence i got it <laughs> i i know i know what changes i need to make to to adjust for what i did a little bit wrong last time and i'm going to make those changes and sure enough he did it and just stomp the hell out of it, and and that's that's when I started crying and just completely lost it. And uh, and I, I will say, I mean, that happened in in February of 2020. So really, at the very outset of this project, before we shot any of the other crazy action that comes later. But that day, I mean, obviously, it was a game changer in in a million and one ways. But I think most importantly for me, as a filmmaker who would be, you know, shooting you know, progressive, potentially risky things with Trevor, I I was able to look at him in a different light, that this is not a stunt. This is not, a, you know, a Hail Mary pass here. Like Trevor, Trevor was a serious athlete. And that's not that I didn't take him seriously prior to that, but to have somebody who had never done a double backflip, never hit a jump half as big as what he had done, be able to assess what changes he needed to make and go up and do it was just so mind blowing for me and so impressive and just really, you know, made, made me look at, at what at what he was potentially capable of in a whole new light. And if that, you know, if that had gone down any other way, I, I love you, bro. I <laughs> love you too, man. Um, yeah. I mean, I just think that the importance of, of pointing those things out that this is not like, you know, it's it's not a stunt. I mean, it, it's it's really it's so much due to Trevor's ability and calculations, and and just it's it's freaking cool, is what it is. Trevor, I want to ask you about big mountain skiing versus park, because while Josh, I didn't call you out on this, Josh. You're like, this isn't a ski film. I'm like, there's some of the best ski footage like in this film that you're gonna see. There's really some beautiful, while the park stuff is terrifying and we've been talking about it a lot and amazing, there's some gorgeous big mountain stuff in this film too. And I was like, I need to ask Trevor, like, what, like, if you have a preference, do you sort of love it both equally? The sensations of the big mountain stuff and good powder skiing, that is such like, just makes you want to be there kind of stuff. How do you feel about these disciplines today or has that changed over the years for you um yeah i love i think from coming i love all disciplines and from coming from ski racing um it was so big for me just to have that background from ski racing to understand edges edge control how to properly ski and then that translated into free skiing in the moguls absolutely love the moguls you know, if you're not committing yourself downhill, you're going to fall over high side, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And for me, it was, you know, wanting to, you know, I quit ski racing so I could free ski. 
And that is why I, you know, wanted to do, you know, big cliffs, you know, moguls, trees, um, anything like that. And then same thing with the park. Um, for me, the park is so accessible and it, it's super fun. Um, but you know, my body can only handle so much park, um, you know, time and time after again. So like I said, same thing, you're kind of skiing one, one run. Don't get me wrong. It, it's incredibly fun. I love it. It's so fun skiing with your friends, the park, but that's why I quit ski racing is so I can go ski big mountain. And for me, I, I truly, truly love, uh, heli skiing to, you know, the big lines, just, uh, all that stuff. And it's very intimidating, you know, sitting down, uh, you can't really look over and see, um, you can't really see the cliffs. You can't really see the rolling, uh, hills. Talk a little bit more about that, Trev, because I think that's, that's an important distinction that most people can't really conceptualize the fact that, you know, an able-bodied person standing up is, is looking from five and a half, six feet off the ground, standing on their skis and, and you don't have that. Yeah. And I'm like three. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely such a part. It's like such an inc- incredibly tough part. Um, you know, sit skiing in the backcountry or just big mountain is, you know, you want, you have to have a good spotter, um, or trust someone that a lot, just because once you're at the edge of something, you can't unstrap or, you know, just high step, uh, on your skis to get back up. So for me, it's really, really trusting someone, but at the same time, I'm three feet versus six feet and someone could be, you know, pointing something out. Oh, do you see that pillow line or do you see that cliff or this snow? And I'm like, no, I don't. And they, they tuck down to get to my level. And they're like, you can't see it? And they like, I'm like, no, it's like, come to my level. And they're like, oh, wow. And then they, they have to get a little bit closer to the edge. And at that point, it's, you have to have, you need speed to, you know, compromise for, say, if it's a flatter, you know, not flatter takeoff, but, you know, you, you need speed so you don't nosedive the front of your sit ski straight into the cliff. Um, so, you know, you need all these things to line up. So for me, that is by far the toughest and most challenging thing. And for me, there's some stuff that I might not be able to do in life. And that's totally a okay. I'll leave that to other people. But there's so much uh, that I can still do uh, in the backcountry and heli skiing and all that. It's one of the lines in the film, right? And actually, I believe this was Mayor Mitchell. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Former Crested Butte mayor. Yeah. Right. The, Hey, there's, there maybe used to be before his own injury, there used to be 10,000 things I can do. Now maybe there's 9,000. Most of us only do like 2,000 Two things. Of those things. Yeah. It's such a great line. It it's great the line. truth though. You know, yeah. it's, it's all like life is like perspective, you know, just kind of how you look at it. Um, yeah. It's, it's all, it's all perspective. I like that, Trev. That's so true. On that note, let's talk about your perspective. You know, the film does a really what feels like a very candid job talking about some of those early days and early months after the injury for you, you know, and there there were bouts of depression, you know, and there were concerns about the kind of medications you might need to be on, use potential to abuse those and the rest in terms of some of i mean we're all i think one of the really cool things about 
the snow sports world and, and the broader, maybe we'll call it mountain sports world is, I think we are having a lot more conversations about mental health these days than we used to. For you, do things feel fairly even for you? Is it still a bit of a roller coaster for you? What's what's life like these days? Yeah, life is I feel like for anyone life is a roller coaster, you know, obviously you want balance in your life, but everyone goes through ups and downs. You know, it's it's life. Um I don't care who you are. Um, everyone goes and struggles through mental stuff. Uh, even if you can see it physically, like on the, my injury is physical. Yeah, you see it, but in the movie, I say, you know, there's so much more that you can't see. And that goes for so much, uh, so many more people in this world. So, you know, I, I think mental health is so important. And, uh, you know, like I said, I don't care if you're on top of the world, on your bottom, bottom, everyone can just go through mental stuff, blink of an eye. Um, so I think it's super important to talk about and, um, yeah, that's why I want to be as real as possible to, to help people, you know, yeah, this movie is super relatable, but unrelatable in a lot of ways. Yeah. People might not be walking. I mean, sorry, like in a wheelchair, but they're walking, you know, we're still in someone's shoes. Um, so stuff like that. Yeah. Well, to, to jump in really quick, I, I mean, this is, Again, not a ski film. And I think to Trevor's credit, he took so many steps to make it about, you know, the realities of of living with a life-changing injury. And, you know, we talk about all the crazy, quote-unquote, crazy things that Trevor has done in his sit ski and just the, the wherewithal and, and, you know, the bravery, for lack of a better way to say it, to do those things. I think he, Trevor was even more brave in his willingness to share his life and share details of what he's been through and what he goes through. And, you know, because he was so willing to put it all out there and, and let us as filmmakers capture and reiterate these, these aspects of his life. I mean, that's really what, you know, changes the scope of, of what the film is about. And, you know, just to give you some props, Trev, you know, the, the, the bravery that that was involved in, in that and, and, um, you know, really still impresses the hell out of me. And I think opens a lot of, of viewers eyes. Yeah. I, I agree with everything Josh just said, but I also am still thinking about Trevor's comment that like you said, the people who are on top of the world, like on top of the world in like whatever scare quotes or something. I think that is one of the things we've learned. Not everybody has identical struggles we don't need to get into a competition of my struggles are a 34 on a scale of 100, but everybody actually, and, and in that regard, it is interesting in a way that like the, the openness to, to, to share, I think, I think it's one of the great elements of the film is to break down some of the things that maybe, you know, you're thinking, Oh yeah, right. That is also a, a factor that, that Trevor or other people that have had spinal injuries, they also are dealing with that issue and that. And, and yet I, I think it is a positive thing in life that more of us are just understanding the different elements and struggles and realities among kind of everybody's walk of life. And by no means are we there. We have not arrived. Right. But I do think we, it's a process. And, and I think that, I do think, though, if we can continue on that 
continue on that road. I'm gonna I'm gonna get real dorky here for a second, but the the Stoics, like the Greco-Roman Stoics, they sort of used to talk about this expansion of our sphere of ethical consideration. And I think that that is something that, um, to kind of adapt that a little bit, like for us to better understand or even realize we don't understand everything that's going on, right? With a person that we just met or somebody we've known for years, probably the better we all get at that, the more understanding, empathetic, and the rest, It's that's the kind of communities or world we might be able to build. And you only have to look at the news to see that we got a whole lot of work to do on that front. I think that this is, among other things, this film functions as another excellent education piece, right? Uh, to push to that direction. You know, it's it's funny. I mean, that you know, wasn't one of our goals at the outset, but certainly became one. And Roy Tuscany, who's the founder of High Fives and certainly a really good friend of both Trevor and I, um, is featured in the film. After he first saw it, his his biggest takeaway that he shared with me, he said, you know, people have spent their entire lives being told to look away from disability, to look away from people in a wheelchair because they don't understand it. And he said, my hope is that this film lets people know that it is okay to look at somebody in a wheelchair. In fact, look at them and know that they are just as much a, a person as anybody else and you know say hi to them interact with them they're, they're they're no different than you or i and that's that was his his immediate reaction and you know i'd like to think that that is a response that people can have you know here at blister we tend to dork out about gear quite a bit and i would love to hear you talk a little bit about um, some of your gear and, and maybe we can start with, I mean, the sit ski itself, right? I mean, I think I was thinking this watching the film and then somebody actually says it in the film, like sit skis weren't exactly designed to be optimized for doing things like double backflips. And so I was watching and just curious. Um, and I, you know, I, I mentioned to you guys, like I, I was, a, a sit ski we called them sit ski instructors um, in an adaptive program in New Mexico for like six years. And it got me just thinking about having spent some time, a good bit of time around sit skis, like what kind of mods have you done to your own setup? Um, and I was like, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if Trevor was like, I do nothing different. I just go figure it out and send it. But then other athletes you talk to, right? And they get really freaking like, obsessively particular about their setup. So I'd love to know where you are on that spectrum, the like, whatever, just give me something I'm going to go send versus the like super obsessive tinkerer. And then talk a bit about your setup. Yeah. So to start out for my whole setup, I haven't really like tinkered with it too much. I was one of those guys that you get what you get and you go out there and make use of it. Um, I started like collapsing like the foot plates. So um, I have stronger foot, pl foot plates um, on my sit ski. Um, the past year I switched shocks. So I'm in a better, better more responsive, stiffer shock. Um, the same spring, but different shock. 
so you have more way more settings uh high high low speed uh compression rebound and then let's see and then i busted through like a handful of buckets the plastic buckets so been working with uh aspen seating to work on some buckets and stuff like that so shout out to them they're awesome but uh let's see and then um oh yeah and then shout out to vocal skis they i've been on vocal skis for the past four or five years four years something like that um they're awesome and i have a race plate um and then i put that straight down onto my 121 revolt and then i put um so i put a race plate down and then from there i put a race bent binding down so i have a 24 din binding and i crank it all the way up to stop and then i clip in and then i have a pin and a block or a block and a pin so you put the block in and then you pin it and you don't want to come out for sit skiing it's the opposite of able body skiing so for when you're able body skiing and you eject, you want both your skis to come off so you don't hurt your knee. For me uh, or anyone that's sit skiing, you want that thing to stay on because if that thing comes off, you tomahawk and it is just a scary sight. So, so that's a little bit about my equipment. <laughs> Dude, that was great. Um, 24 did. How many times have you blown out of your ski is the question. I've... Times. <laughs> oh, like out of the bucket? Act- no, 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 no. Like rip, rip, rip the whole thing. Like right out of the like the 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 either break the pin or just rip your binding out of the ski and, and end up, yeah, basically like played out or snap the ski in half. A handful. It just depends. Like when I'm doing, like say if I got obviously hit a rock or nick rocks, so blow edges out, and then I can't ride it. Um, yeah, so definitely a handful, but. uh Definitely handful. Well, dude, in the film, there's, there's, we see a few times, right? That ski is going a different direction, right? I mean, th- there's, there is some force and violence on some of these landings, right? Um, but I love, I love your 24 din. You can kind of roll into any bar and do the whole, like, what's your din? And you're basically winning, you're winning all of the, uh, you know, f- for all the big mountain skiers. Yeah, you're, you're winning that one. My brother-in-law holds this uh, poster up. It says, what's your dins at, bro? <laughs> and then it's just funny because, like, you know, he knows. He, he was the one that, like, you know, helped me start first to sit ski and was with me the whole time, all that good stuff. And so, obviously, he knows how high my dins were. And, like, just seeing that shirt or the, the poster is so freaking funny, man. Yeah, wasn't he in the, the finish crawl at X Games with that poster? Yeah, he was. <laughs> One of the other things I did want to ask you about was landings. And if you, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's either your landings are either very impressive or very violent, also impressive, but like, whew. and I just yeah. was watching and thinking like, I want to know what, what Trevor is looking for, you know, what describe a describe, like what you're looking for in Powder. the, but <laughs> Okay. So, so you like soft. Okay. That, that, that's, but, but what are the, like, um, aside from that, right? I mean, you can land front heavy, neutral, kind of more, you know, landing more on the tails. What is, what are you looking for in that sit ski, 
Um, and maybe that changes. Does it change yeah. whether you're in the park or dropping cliffs? Yeah, it changes like if you're skiing moguls to like a groomer to cliffs, trees to park jumps. Um, everything's super different. Um, I, I would just say like depending on, I don't know, you don't want something obviously flat and snow helps a lot. Um, yeah, it honestly just depends the condition. I, that's what I would say. But definitely snow or spring type conditions where it's you know softer to land on but in some cases there are uh say like i do want like a firmer landing if i'm trying to go like really big and big and big and deep and fast in the sense of like i don't want that like double bounce uh for say in the park you know i might want that softness and stuff just in case um yeah it kind of just depends i would say but in terms of setting down is it are you always like be forward, be forward, be forward, or or like what are the what are the like no nos for you, you know when you're you're actually looking to touch down? We're kind of regardless of the or maybe it's probably still dependent on the conditions, but yeah, it just all depends. But um, you know, same thing as able body skiing. You don't want to be too far forward. You don't want to be too far back. Um, there's just like a happy medium, and then coming off a of jumps or depending what you're hitting, just definitely. Um, popping the shoulders and hips forward and getting over your skis and having that center of balance. That's what I would say. <laughs> Piece of cake. Yeah, got it. Well, listen, I don't want to take up, you know, the entirety of your day today. There's a lot more stuff to talk about and cover and also some good news. We are all actually going to be getting together in person on November 1st for our blister speaker series at Western Colorado University. And so that's going to be a very cool opportunity to 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 get together in person and to explore a lot of other things that we haven't touched on yet here today. Um, so that event, by the way, will be open to the public, uh, free event. I think our plan is that we're going to watch the first 10 minutes of the film, which are pretty remarkable 10 minutes. Uh, then everybody's going to probably like boo us off the stage because they're just going to want to watch the whole rest of the thing. But we'll we'll do our best to to fight them off. But I'm 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 happier to let you guys go now because I know we're going to be able to pick this conversation back up. Um, but till then, let's talk a bit more about where people can find the film and rollouts and premieres and and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so super exciting news. We are lining up for a theatrical release of the film, which is pretty rare in 2023 for an independent documentary to actually end up in theaters. So we couldn't be more excited about that. We're kicking things off in New York City on the 20th of October, followed by Denver, our hometown, and then LA on the 27th, a week later. And then we'll be in upwards of 100 markets across the U.S. and Canada throughout the rest of the fall. So lots of screenings. Uh, there, there will inevitably be one near almost everybody in the snow sports, winter sports community that they'll be able to get to. So what we're telling people is to go to the film website, fullcirclefilm.co, and there they'll actually be able to watch the trailer. You can learn more about Trevor and his story, a little bit more about Barry and his story, and uh, just the, the film in general. And then obviously you can check and see when and where screenings are going to be showing up in and around your area. Perfect. Well, I know you guys are going to be 
busy and on the road and showing this thing off. And um, I am ecstatic that we're going to get to meet up in a few weeks uh, in person. And um, Josh, it's great to reconnect with you today. And Trevor, a total pleasure to meet you and, uh, and look forward to Look forward to doing it in person out here. and Great to meet you, Jonathan. And uh, get you back to the Gunnison Valley where, I mean, it, again, it, all started. it kind of was a key key piece <laughs> of your story. And it, it's always such a, it always brings so much pride where, you know, we're seeing the footage and it's like, oh, that's our little mountain here. And uh, so it'll be great to get you back, uh, get you back in this neck of the woods. Can't wait. Awesome, guys. We're excited. We're excited to come visit you soon. Excellent. It's quite a thing you've made here. Trevor, again, thanks for everything that you've done. Josh, thanks for documenting it. And uh, I can't encourage anybody too strongly to go see this thing. I know people are. I'm not actually worried about that. And uh, you're going to enjoy a hell of a story and, and an incredibly well shot one at that too. So thanks to both of you for all the great work. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan, for having us. All right, man. And um, again, happy to say we'll see you guys real soon. See you soon. All right, guys. Take care. Well, that's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. I want to say thanks to Trevor and Josh for the conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And folks, don't forget to come join us for our next Blister Speaker Series starring... Trevor and Josh. That will be Wednesday, November 1st at 7 p.m. at Western Colorado University. The event is open to the public and it is a free event. So come join us. We're actually going to watch the opening of Full Circle, which is incredible. And I think it's going to be a fantastic evening. So hope to see you there. And we will talk to you again real soon.